Hey, everybody, we had a blast with our new friend of the show, Billy Campbell. And yes, he's our good BFF now. I'm okay admitting that. Uh, as you'll hear next in this upcoming episode of Geeks of TNG. However, due to a little last minute snafu, uh, as the kids say, uh, we didn't have the info to share on the amazing charitable event uh, that Billy Campbell is doing along with Jamie Hicks. However, we want to make sure that we are getting uh, the word out there to help support their efforts. The Hairy Cell Leukemia Foundation has the mission to improve outcomes for patients with hairy cell leukemia through research by advancing knowledge about HCL among oncologists and hematologists and by providing educational resources and comfort to patients and their families. Check out all the amazing things the foundation is doing over at their website, HarryCellLeukemia.org. Now, this was the kind of leukemia cancer that Rocketeer creator Dave Stevens sadly died from a long time ago. Go over to GeeksOfTNG.com and the episode description for the episode. You'll find a link for you to make a donation to the foundation and a special incentive to support Jamie and Billy's efforts. A donation of $100 will get you 3D print files for the X3 Rocket Pack which was built with help from the guys that built the original movie packs and a personalized Billy Campbell photo. And it's going to be amazing. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help a great organization and get a signed picture of the Rocketeer himself. A special thank you goes to our friend Jamie Hicks for setting up this amazing charitable work along with Billy Campbell. Now time for today's episode. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. It's Geek Stuff TNG. What the fuck is a reboot? We're gonna be rolling out a lot of new things. We're the stars of this piece of shit. Oh, are you? I am the sandwich. No one of consequence. You can find me on Xbox at Fat Dumbledore. <laughs> you know what keeps going through my head? Where's my sandwich? I am Monty. Excellent. You're crushing my soul and giving me a headache at the same time. There'll be food and drink and ghosts. Show me what you got. Is it too late to say that I, I kind of don't care for Star Wars? You can say that Free. and find your way out the door. <laughs> the force is strong with this one. And I am Big Kev. Hail to the king, baby. Yo, that kid Monty is fired. I have Amigo Isis action figure. Ah, uh, mighty Isis. And here we go. doing this podcast with you for uh, what like two years now ish give her it feels like 30 i mean that's that's pandemic years though so like you know that you know goes a little hand oh, in hand right there right uh, i mean actually but uh i gotta say this is uh this is the, the the show i think i've been this is the reason why i joined big kev I'm, I'm super excited for today this is a this is actually a really big deal today and i'm, I'm super happy that uh, uh that we're doing this today a lot of exciting stuff especially for you I, I'm very excited. I, I I have to say that you know, in the nearly fit in two weeks, two weeks, this show 
will have reached 15 years uh, of podcasting about geek culture online. And then if you add in a couple of years before that, when OG and I were on Sirius XM and doing some other things, been around a long time, I think. Fair, I think it's fair to say it's a long time. I think so. Um, and I have to say, I'm with you, Nick. Today's show is going to be very exciting. Uh, I'm going to, uh, do you want to uh, give the top of the show information before we launch right in with our, uh, our special guest? You know what? I'm uh, nothing would make me happier. We, uh, we have our uh, lovely Patreon uh, information, uh, which is patreon.com slash geekstufftng. Uh, for just a dollar, you can be part of our lovely Discord service where you can talk to members of the show, like myself, and some other folks uh, who are fans of the show. I was on there this that week. That doesn't count, sir. Yeah, my my grandmother yelled at me on there this week. Yo, your grandmother's the best. I, mean, I just want I, li I like grandmama more more than sandwich as of right now. I'm just saying. Oh, um, <laughs> grandmama wasn't late today. For three dollars a month, you get a show. You get to show a day and a half early, which is usually Tuesday night. But you know, there's a caveat for this week and everything like that, and a sneak peek at the prep sheet. Um, for five dollars a month, you get the weekend bonus show, which I gotta say. Dom, this was the best bonus show yet. <laughs> mostly because shop. mostly because I did it. But besides that, it was just phenomenal. True. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you get uh, some vintage episodes of Big Kev's Geek Stuff, as we mentioned oh. before. And for $10 a month, you get the show live on the Instagram right now, which today of all days is... Boy, you uh, wanted to be a Patreon live on Instagram today. Indeed. And uh, that, is a, that is our rundown. And if you wanted to uh, send us a, a, an email, that would be over at geekstufftng at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 201-730-2547. And you can hear yourself on a future episode of Geek Stuff TNG. Uh, Big now, Kev, you've been waiting like, t like yes. what, 20, 30, 40 years? 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. Uh, I want to. I I just want to say that for the for the people out there who think that I don't do anything on this show except be the talent, I want to show you that. Look, it's show prep. There, I just want to put that out there. Talk closer to the show mic, booby. Closer to the mic, booby. Show prep. There show you, prep. There you go. Okay. In a nearly 40-year career, our guest today has portrayed an array of characters in film and on TV as eclectic as it comes. Comic book characters, historical figures, and even a serial killer, just to name a few. In geek culture, he has found his way into the many diverse genres that make up said culture, creating memorable characters in Star Trek, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the 4400 Meteor Eureka, and his iconic performance as the titular character in the sci-fi classic, The Rocketeer, which we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of this year, 2021. It is our enormous pleasure to have with us today, Billy Campbell. Hello, Mr. Campbell. Well, hello, fellas. It's great to be how's, here. <clears throat> how's it going, sir? It's great, it's great. Uh, it's going great. I'm. I'm. Uh, I have two days left in my 14-day quarantine up in Vancouver. I'm which going is out. Of my, 
I was going to say, which is why today's show will have no real length. It's as much wine. No, as no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for company. And, and <laughs> to be honest, I hope you've got the next five or eight hours uh, to spare yep. because uh, I'm, I'm not letting you off. Uh, you, you, you can't sign off. I've That's taken fine over by your, me. I've taken over your computers. And uh, you're, 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 I've automatically locked your doors. You're stuck with me. It's the nicest threat ever. I love it. Ever. <laughs> I've had worse punishments. Oh, I'm going out of my freaking skull. Well, you only have two days left, and we're going to get into what you're doing up there in Canada and why we're not talking to you in the Netherlands, uh, which originally is what we were going to do, but we'll get to that down okay. down the road a little bit. I'll just add that uh, we were never going to talk in the Netherlands because I, I was never there. Did I say, did I say, <laughs> did I say Netherlands and not Norway? You, no, I was in Norway. Was the over other, there. The One other, of those cold Europe. Somewhere other, in cold Europe. Yeah, the other N-word. So uh, okay, so let's let's uh, let's bounce now. We 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 know we all know that we could spend the next let's say five or seven hours talking about the Rocketeer, mm-hmm. and we're going to not that long, but we are going to talk about it. But I want to go back a little bit further. Uh, it, you know, this, the 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 geek culture stuff started for you, at least in my opinion, with your portrayal in 1988 of the outrageous Captain O'Connor on Star Trek, The Next Generation. Yeah. But even before that, my research indicates, you were the lead choice for Commander William Riker. Yeah, well, I don't know that I was the lead choice. I was one of two choices. Um, My old friend, Junie Lowry, who has cast me in more things uh, during my time in, in the, in, in the business than any other person. Um, uh, she was casting Star Trek and she, she, uh, she called me up and said, do you like science fiction? I said, yeah. She said, Star Trek, the next generation, it's happening. You are Riker. And I'm like, uh, okay. So, uh, you know, I got through the process and, and um, I have to say toward the end of the process, I was, I mean, I was thrilled at first, absolutely thrilled. I, I, I'm a huge fan of, uh, you know, I mean, I don't do collectibles and all that stuff, but, but I loved, loved um, the original series. And I was uh, thrilled at first to think of uh, being on the next generation and, and then the closer I got to it, I started getting really, really nervous, really nervous. Because uh, my whole MO up until that point, uh, even with Dynasty, which I had been on, uh, which at the time I was on, it was the number one show on television. My whole MO was to get in and get out, right? And not get stuck in any one place. And um, I started thinking to myself, if I get on Star Trek, there's no way that thing is that thing is going to go for many seasons and I'm going to get stuck there and I'm going to get known for that. And I'm possibly going to have trouble doing other things. And so this started chewing at my stomach and I got to the final like reading. It was me and, and, and Jonathan Frakes in the sitting in the outer office there 
waiting to go into this big room with all these producers and Jenny Lowry and, and uh, Jonathan ever the gentleman, uh, a really wonderful guy went in a, ahead of me and came out and beaming. And I seemed like he'd had a good reading and he shook my hand and said, good luck in there. And I went in and I turned into a block of wood. I turned in, I just absolutely froze. And I, I looked at Junie, she was sitting in the back of the room and she had a look on her face like, like curdled milk. And uh, I think she was, I think I, I embarrassed her. I know I embarrassed her that day because she'd been, you know, banging the drum for me. And uh, the best man got the job, I have to say. I mean, can you imagine, number one, not being Jonathan? I mean, he was fabulous. And, 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 and so, and I don't think I was right for the part. So there we have it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but then in season two, you show up as the outrageous Okana and uh, within what, five minutes of uh, the show, you're, you're right in Terry Hatcher's uncredited (laughs) face. (laughs) Yeah. And, and well, the thing is, is that uh, I was, I was feeling really rather sheepish after having embarrassed uh, Junie like that. And, uh, and so I, called her up to apologize and she is the sweetest woman in the world she's from i can't remember i don't know where she's from but she's got this wonderful southern accent and i called her up to apologize and she said oh honey you don't don't even worry about that jonathan is doing is fabulous everybody is thrilled it's no problem whatsoever i don't feel badly about it and i said well does that mean does that mean maybe I could do an episode? <laughs> and she said, I, you, you want to do an episode? I said, yeah. She said, let me call you back. And she called back a day later and there it was. Nice. Yeah. And of course, with, and, and what a great character too. I mean, that episode, uh, you know, just, just for the people that don't know the episode, one of the plots of the episode is about uh, data trying to discover what comedy is. Yeah. Yeah. With Joe originally, Piscopo. originally was supposed to be uh, Jerry Lewis. In oh my the gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was supposed to be Jerry Lewis in the holodeck teaching him about comedy, and 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 Jerry Lewis couldn't make it, so they got Joe Piscopo, clearly the second choice after after. Yeah, no kidding. After Jerry Lewis, so um, yeah, and then a, a, an uncredited young Terry Hatcher is the yeah, the first she was the transporter chief. Yeah, gets. I gets remember good. it. I remember it very well. I was uh, I was a young buck myself, and I I uh, I, I delighted in my interactions with uh, Terry Hatch. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was fantastic. I but to be honest, to be honest, if I could uh, wave a magic wand and erase that performance. Uh, I would. Um, I was so utterly self-conscious. Um, the dialogue, to be honest, was n- not the best <laughs> dialogue in the in the in the world. And, but to be fair, I was unprepared. I mean, a professional actor should be able to make you know any kind of dialogue 
palatable and I was not experienced enough uh, to, to do that. And so I was terribly, terribly self-conscious with all that dialogue. And yeah, so if I could wipe it clean, I would. I think that uh, it. I think that Okana is still a, sort of a fan. I mean, despite business up front and party in the back, uh, I think that Okana is is uh, is a really good. He's a now, great character, fan you, favorite character. Are you implying that I had a mullet in Star Trek? I, I'm I'm flat out saying it. <laughs> We know it's true. There's that was every- not a mullet. That was not a mullet. No, that's not what no, that was. That was, hair like- back. that was a man bun, if anything. That looked exactly like your rocketeer hair and somebody attached a, a tail on the end of it. That's literally what it looked like, oh, in my no. opinion. But, but, but Okada, don't ever call it a mullet. It wasn't a mullet. That's I didn't use the word mullet, sir. I just said party up front, business or business up front, party in the back. That's all what, I was said. It? what do they also call it? The Missouri Compromise. The Missouri Compromise, yeah. I <laughs> so uh, I have to ask you this, um, or I have to say this, really. Okana is one of those characters that I think even now, uh, you know, with all of the new Star Trek that's coming mm. out and all of the, you know, like Picard and, you know, mm. all of them mm. that sort of take place after Next Generation. I think they're mm. they're working on another one even, I think called, I think it's called Prodigy, something like that. Wouldn't it be great if Okana could kind of have a sort of a revisit to the Star Trek universe? I mean, he's popped up in other, you know, comic books and things like that. Wouldn't it be yeah. great if 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 uh, the outrageous Captain O'Connor could make a, a reappearance, you know what? I would I would I had for years years I've been like, you know, fantasizing about a do over. Now, of course, I can't go back in time and do over properly, but um, I did think when you know Picard came along, I thought, oh man, maybe I should get in touch with them and float the idea of, you know, an O'Connor uh, reappearance. And um, and lo and behold, something came along that I can't quite talk about yet, but I Uh-oh. believe that Okona will be uh, making a reappearance in oh. one of these in one of these in one of these very many iterations of um, of Star Trek. Uh, uh, Okona will be making an, an appearance. I can't. I'm not at liberty to to uh, divulge uh, right. the whereabouts uh, at present, but um, but uh, it will be happening. Um, and I'm I'm pretty excited about it because right. I want to redeem myself. Uh, so you then go from Star Trek. You do that other thing in '91 that we'll get to. Uh, and then in 1992, uh, we see you again in, in another genre film uh, on our radar, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, so now you keep again. saying you keep saying Stroker, which makes it sound like Stoker. A Do I keep saying Stroker? Yes, because I'm having one. Bram uh, Stoker's Dracula. Stoker. That's, that's Bram- like the uh, the G- adult G- version. Adult version. Yeah, I get it. Um, Brom Stoker's Dracula. And no, that would be Brom Stoker's Ejacula. <laughs> <laughs> I think. 
<laughs> so uh, I'm going to Mr. Monty is actually a, a, a big one on this. So I'm going to turn it over to him. I know he has a couple of questions for you about. Sure. Yeah, I'm, sure. uh, I'm much more of the, the horror fan of uh, uh, the group yeah. here. And um, I mean, I, I personally think it's an absolutely beautiful film. I do, too. Um, and it's gotten kind of a, a bad rap um, for, you know, but for people who just didn't really give it a chance. Uh, do, mm. do you think that just more people need to just uh, just give it a second chance just because it's it's I think it's so underrated for what it is uh, and a beautiful film. It is a beautiful film and it and it's a it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful like a, a what's the word a peon to 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 um, to uh, old time filmmaking. Is that the right word? Um, so. Again, a celebration. Tribute. A celebration of old time filmmaking. A lot of the effects, um, almost all of the effects, were practical, um, down to matte paintings and and uh, uh, just the effects done on the set or done in the camera on the day. Um, and uh, uh, I think it's a a wonderful film. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine my delight uh, as someone who likes the, the old the olden days of of film um to have been in the rocketeer for his first film a 30s set era a 30s era you know uh, action adventure movie um and then gone straight to dracula which was an old fashioned uh, movie i mean it was it's fantastic it's a great great movie and the book is i, I mean the book the the movie it doesn't it's it's similar to the book. It doesn't follow it page by page at the exact yeah. same time, which yeah. is totally okay. Uh, but in a circumstance like this, where it's one of the most popular characters, it's one of the most popular stories uh, that's out there. Does that add a little bit of extra pressure for for people who are working on something that's uh, uh, just kind of so substantial? Maybe, maybe, but that that would not be pressure that uh, I or my castmates uh, uh, necessarily felt. It would be more like a, a pressure that uh, uh, Francis would feel, or some other producers. Um, but uh, for us, it was just like a playground, an absolute playground. They built the whole mansion inside a soundstage with the garden, you know, the driveway out front, and the garden in the back, and. Uh, we they knocked out a wall between two sound stages and they built a dirt track around the circumference of it uh, with the mountains up against the walls of the stage so that we could ride those horses round and round uh, and and pursue the uh, you know the gypsies on their uh, carriage i it was it was fant- it was old fashioned movie making it was fantastic uh, I, I, I have no end of, uh, no end of fondness for, for both of those, both of those films. Do you remember what your reaction it was when you saw the, uh, the final cut of the film, like what your first reaction was when you, uh, finally saw the finished product? Of Dracula? Yes. Yeah. I was, I was blown away. I mean, you know, you can't ever... Uh, you know, in when you're in uh, an actor's sort of shoes, unless you're heavily involved with the with the uh, behind the camera stuff and with the with the production itself, um, you can't ever really imagine what it will look like. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was I was utterly utterly blown away. I mean, there's I think there's 
maybe a single, a single disappointing moment for me was in the final, I think it's, it's near the finale. And uh, well, it was a little disappointing that it didn't hew to the book exactly because in the book, uh, my character kills Dracula with the knife. Right. So I was like, Oh, okay. All right. But I can see why, you know, I can see why this is happening. Um, but uh, Winona follows uh, Gary into the, into the church and she uh, chops his head off or she stabs him in the heart with a knife or something. And then his face turns from old Dracula to, you know, a uh, beautiful Gary Oldman. And, and they did that with CGI, right? They sort of morphed, uh, morphed with CGI. And it's the single effect in the entire movie that I don't care for. The whole movie was practical effects. The whole movie was old fashioned stuff that you could have done just as well, you know, in the 1940s as you had done, you know, when we made this film. And, and I, to my, for my money, they ought to have done the whole thing where, you know, you cut away from him to her, you do the makeup change, he's a little changed, you cut back to him, you cut to her again, you cut back to him, and he's even more changed. I, it just would have been more of a piece with the whole film. Um, and maybe it was a time constraint, I don't know, but I, I sure wish they had done that. But that, in that entire movie, that's the one tiny little thing that I have any reservations about. I mean, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go on, Kev. Oh, I was going to say, before we go, uh, before we go to our first break, uh, Billy or yeah. Ollie, he prefers <laughs> Ollie. Call me Ollie, for God's sake. I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable with Ollie than anything else. My family, uh, my friends, most of my friends call me Ollie. So let the let the record show that I'm Ollie's friend. So uh, before we go to break, uh, I just want to ask you really quick. Before we go to our first break, I want to ask really uh, just really quickly because this is something that came up as we were uh, uh, as we were discussing you as a guest. A lot of historical characters uh, for you: George Pickett, Abraham Lincoln, Ted Bundy, a um, couple of other uh, uh, real people. Um, and I was, I was wondering, um, you know, do you enjoy playing uh, those sort of real people that you've portrayed in, in some of those movies, Gettysburg, um, Gods and Generals, uh, you know, Killing Lincoln and, and uh, uh, so forth? I, I, I was just curious because it just, it seemed like sort of a, it was going that sort of civil war pattern and then yeah. Bundy came up. So we were like, well, let's just broaden it out into just real people, playing real people. So, mm. well, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I've always loved period films, you know, I, I mean, movies are you know, as well as books are, you know, they're, they're a time machine and I've always uh, loved period movies. So, I mean, really probably that was the sole reason. Um, yeah. I just love, I love period stuff. I love dressing up in costumes. It's, it's, it's really interesting, especially the, especially Gettysburg and gods and generals, because you play Lieutenant, let's say Pitzer in, in Gettysburg, mm -hmm. yeah. which came, 
which was the movie that was released first, but gods in generals chronologically takes place before Gettysburg. Yeah. And in that yeah. movie, you play George Pickett. Yeah. Well, I'll, think- tell you, I'll tell you why. Okay. I'll tell you why. Because I played Pitzer at first and, and my buddy, Stephen Lang played yes. uh, Pickett. Right? right. And then uh, for gods and generals, uh, Steve got promoted to uh, Jackson Right. And I got promoted to Pickett. Yeah, so. that was really funny. That was yeah. really funny. Trying to switch over there, like everyone's getting promoted. Yeah. So, all right. And uh, so with that, uh, Mr. Monty, Mr. Sandwich, and Ollie, we're going to take our first break on this episode of Geek Stuff TNG. And we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Monty, are you sure this is safe? This store looks sort of very spooky. Sandwich, relax. The Graveyard Gallery is an amazing place, and it has something for everybody. But but, but it's called the Graveyard Gallery. Sounds like they're into spooky stuff, and, you know, I'm a very delicate person. Well, you're definitely right on both accounts. But it doesn't matter if you want collectibles as far back as the cabinet of Dr. Caligari or something related to obscure movies that only diehards know about. There's something for everybody here. I, I, I mean, I do have to admit, the, the range of collectibles is pretty stellar and pretty creative i'll be honest they have a wide range in stock it could be hot toys prop replicas statues they got you man these clothes are something else too is that real blood on that shirt not on all of them but they got hoodies shirts beanies they even have stuff with herman munster dracula and red from that 70s show wow dude these handmade items are awesome this heart's still beating all right put that back where you found it okay but the handmade items are some of my favorite things in the store they have paintings masks dolls and of course prints yeah you gotta have prints on your wall oh uh, sorry i didn't hear you i was having a fascinating conversation with the gentleman over there who's a bat now um and he helped me pick out some great collectibles for me it's all good man don't worry about it did he show you the human skull in the cabinet brought to you by dark interiors the what zoinks he better be going to the ATM and then come back to buy a spine. The Graveyard Gallery at thegraveyardgallery.com and on Etsy, Instagram, as well as Facebook as The Graveyard Gallery. Go to them for one-of-a-kind vintage pieces. New horror-related items are in each week from big and small companies and one-of-a-kind creations. The Graveyard Gallery. Spine sold separately. Hey, Geek Stuff listeners. It's West Coast Scott here. Did you know I do a podcast with my lovely wife? Say hi, Brittany. Hi. Tell them about our podcast. We do a weekly podcast where we talk about travel, conventions, Disneyland, and our growing family. It's called the PieCast because we got married on Pie Day, and it's available wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. At Pie Day Family. And my new Twitter handle is at Pie Day Scott. Check us out. It's no secret that cancer effing sucks. But good news, our new friends, Jamie Hicks and Billy Campbell, are teaming up to try to fight hairy cell leukemia. Check out the link in the description or on our website at geeksoftng.com to check out a fundraiser to help in the battle against hairy cell leukemia. You can win things like a replica pack from Rocketeer, or you can try to get a personalized autograph photo of Billy Campbell, the Rocketeer himself. Again, go to geeksoftng.com or check the information in the description of this podcast to find out more. 
And we are back with episode 627 of Geeks of TNG, 30 years of Rocketeer. Uh, during that lovely commercial break, you heard our lovely sponsor, the Graveyard Gallery. Uh, over at 21 Main Street in Butler, New Jersey, 07405. Some lovely folks there where coincidentally, and uh, not because, uh, you know, I'm trying to key into our... Uh, our lovely guest for today, but they have lots of Dracula stuff. They actually just came in, some collectible toys uh, and just stuff from uh, the Munsters as well, like a whole whole bunch of good stuff uh, for your collection. And uh, I don't think they have any Rocketeer stuff, but definitely Dracula because it's, you know, the Graveyard Gallery. It's a horror store. Uh, check them out, 21 Main Street in Butler, New Jersey, 07405, and uh, tell them that Monty sends you, and uh, you may get a, a free sticker. And who doesn't like a good free sticker, you know? Ooh, a free sticker. Yeah, well, you, no, it's not a lollipop, but you know, a free sticker is a free sticker. Oh, yeah, well, you, remember? How'd you have to ruin the dream? Yeah, my, my, my three year old would be thrilled. Exactly. You and your three year old, you come to Jersey and I will escort you guys uh, to, the, to the story because there also is a great uh, uh, taco burrito restaurant right next door to it. So if you like Mexican and you like some horror, it's. You're in your Perfect. Like now, one, I, I, I can imagine it's probably been a while since he's had quality Mexican food being in Norway. So it's true. That might have, be. They don't have great Mexican food in Norway. I can imagine. So I can. I, it could be a, a great little field trip. <laughs> All right. So let's launch into uh, our second segment here. Now, of course, we are in 2021, the 30th anniversary of uh, the Rocketeer. Uh, for many of us, myself included, I do consider this one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. Uh, now, notwithstanding Marvel, DC, and some of the other independent stuff that's out there, The Rocketeer really, really set the tone for how great comic book movies could be made. And it did it in 1991, and yet, what? It wasn't until 20-something-something something that, you know, we really started getting kind of a, uh, a new sort of overpowering, some might say, genre of, of superhero and comic book-based movies, some of which are really good, some of which are really Warner Brothers. So uh, <laughs> that, that aside... Um, we want to talk about uh, the, the great film, uh, the, the Rocketeer. Can you give us some of your initial impressions? Like when you were approached, did your friend approach you for this, this one as well? Junie? No, yeah. no. Um, this was, uh, well, I, I just was telling this story the other day. Uh, it was interesting. I, uh, I was at the time working at the Southern California Renaissance Fair doing, doing Shakespeare and doing a, like a, I don't know if you guys have had any experience with the Renaissance fairs, but I'm a geek. I'm a geek from way back. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, I used to do in Virginia before I ever got into acting, I did civil war reenactments. And um, when I moved out to Southern California, I found out there was a Renaissance fair and I was over the moon. So I started going and um, and uh, while they were still up in uh, Topanga Canyon and, uh, you know, it was sort of an enclave of uh, it was basically it was hippies, hippies from the 60s. <laughs> that's when it started. And uh, it was there was a lot of nakedness and a lot of drunkenness. And it was a, it was just a wonderful, wonderful environment. <laughs> and um, 
so I went as a patron or a, uh, you know, a customer, but, um, of course, everyone goes dressed up like in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But when they moved down to San Bernardino, I started working there professionally. So at the time that the Rocketeer audition came along, I was working the Renaissance Fair. I had long hair. I had a beard. I was doing Shakespeare. I smelled like turkey legs and I stunk like beer. And my head wasn't in it. And I read this I, I don't even know if I read it. Maybe I skimmed it, this script that was just like, it was like, I don't know, there was a rocket and something. And I was like, uh. so I went to the meeting and I think they must have wondered what the hell is this? Why did the casting director send this guy in here? You know, he doesn't seem interested. He's, he looks like a bear and, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. So I, I didn't think anything more of it. I had uh, another month and a half or so of the Renaissance Fair to do, and I spent that in a blur. Um, and I don't know, some period of time later, my agent calls me and says, remember that Rocketeer thing? They want to they wanna see you again. They not only want to see you again, they want to they wanna screen test you. And I was like, what? What? Huh? What? So I... Uh, I read, I actually sat down and actually read the script. I wasn't doing the fair then, the fair was over. So my head was sort of out of it. And I was coming to a full awareness of the present day. And I read the script and I was like, wow, that's actually, that's actually cool. That's actually fun. And, and there's actually a, what a graphic novel of that, of it. And, you know, I'm somebody that grew up wanting to draw comic books. That was my first uh, calling in life. And uh, so I went down to Golden Apple that as soon as I finished reading the script. Like you do. Down, fell down the hill to Golden Apple. And uh, I picked up the graphic novel in the store and I cracked it open. And I'm like, I, I'm sure I said something very loud and very obscene. I was like, I couldn't believe how much I looked like the character in the in the graphic novel well of course that's because uh, dave stevens and i you know might have been brothers we look so much alike and he modeled the rocketeer on himself mm -hmm. so i i was like i was i said holy hell i i, I went to a barber shop i got my face to shave i got my hair cut in a 1930s style and i went to this screen test well as it turns out uh the only reason they were screen testing me is because um, they'd seen everybody in town. They saw people as diverse as uh, Don Johnson, uh, yeah. I think Randy Quaid, or- I, I got a list here. Oh, okay. Uh, I tons, tons of people. You tell me if there's anybody super, super odd on it. Here's, here's, uh, well, here's, here's the names that came up as, as potentials. Kevin Costner, your new boss. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, Matthew Modine, Dennis Quaid, Kurt Russell, Bill Paxton, Emilio Estevez, Johnny Depp, Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, yeah. So all of those people were at, at least at some point in consideration. Yeah. Yeah. They had seen, they'd seen tons of people from what I heard and, uh, and, uh, and they still couldn't find their guy. And they were doing screen tests. They were testing. They were at the point where they were testing people. They just thought, you know, hey, to hell with bringing them and reading them. Let's start screen testing them, see what they look like on film in a costume. And uh, 
they had a day of screen tests and they only had one or two people scheduled, but of course they have to keep the crew for the whole day. And so Joe put his finger on a, the list of people that they had seen over the last couple of months and went down the list. And he was like, how about this guy, Billy Campbell? We, we haven't seen him in ages. Bring him in. And so uh, that's the only reason I got the call apparently. Meanwhile, I had shaved, I had got a 1930s haircut and I traipsed down to Disney and I walked into the soundstage that uh, we were doing the screen test on and uh, walked right in the door. And Joe Johnston was three meters away at the craft service table, making, a, making something for himself to eat. And he looked up at me when I came through the stage door and looked down and then did a double take <laughs> like and i and my heart leapt in my chest at that moment i thought oh oh i, I have a chance i have a chance he sees it he sees it and uh did the screen test and and all of that and then of course they offered it to johnny depp um, and then uh if you want me to go on ramble on um so then they offered it to Johnny Depp. My agent at ICM, a guy named Paul Felcher, his office was right next to an agent named Tracy Jacobs, who was, John, or maybe still is, Johnny Depp's agent. And Paul calls me just out of his mind. He's like, Billy, Billy, there, Tracy is, has johnny in her office and she's going to talk to him about whether he should do the movie or not and she invited me in the room i'll call you back and he called me back a couple hours later and he said i was genius he said i i uh i uh i started by telling johnny all the reasons he should do the movie and then i segued into all the reasons he shouldn't you know johnny wants an oddball career and this is not an oddball movie it's as you know it's a it's a studio film it's disney blah 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 and so johnny turned it down and it fell to me wow that is that's quite a story and uh, as a coda right if, if that's the right word uh it was funny because sometime later some period of time later i was in my agent's office at icm and he says to me, Johnny's next door in Tracy's office. Come, come out. I want you to meet him. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I don't want to meet him. I'm, I mean, I'm like, I've always been shy about meeting uh, movie stars and stuff. And, and, uh, but he dragged me next door and there was Johnny. And I was like, all I could think to do was say thank you and grab him. I gave him a huge bear hug. I picked him up. I mean, he's he's like a rag doll. He's tiny. <laughs> yes. And uh, and I picked him up and gave him a big hug and said thanks. And uh, uh, you know, it was strange. He 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 smelled good. He smelled like citronella and and leather. Um, I remember that. Smell is a powerful, uh, powerful memory yeah. uh, device. Uh, so you get cast as Cliff Secord, the, uh, the 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 lead, the hero in the film, mm -hmm. and Cliff's job is he's a pilot. And rumor has it, you had a fear of flying. Yes, which I inherited from my dear departed mom. Uh, who never flew anywhere in her life if she could help it. Um, 
And so, uh, but what was I going to do? Say, no, no, no. Um, thing is that I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really think that, you know, I mean, special effects and everything. I, I never figured that I was going to be doing any flying. And of course I didn't, I hardly did any flying in the rocket pack. Those were all models and, and, uh, and so forth. But right. Tom, Tom St. Amund did all the puppetry work for the rocket pack stuff pretty mm. much. Yeah. Yeah. And we had some lovely stunt people. There was the, um, can't remember his name, fellow that hung from wires in the South Seas Club as, as the rock, you know, as he goes around and sets fire to everything. Um, and then, uh, but um, Joe came to me after I got the movie and I'm over there doing wardrobe tests and screen, you know, screen tests with females and stuff to see who was going to be Betty. Um, and, or Jenny, sorry. Yeah, not Betty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was modeled on, on Betty, but, right. uh, uh, and they were going to call her Betty, but then they, they decided not to, they were going to call her Betty Blake instead of Jenny Blake. Right. Um, and so I was over there doing, doing tests and Joe came to me and he was like, let me ask you something. How do you feel about flying? And I'm like, Oh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm a, yeah, I love flying. <laughs> and he says, because we've been thinking that all that stuff in the GB in the beginning of the movie, we'd actually like to do that in the air. And I'm like, with me? He's like, yeah, with you. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm great with that. I'm great with that. And he said, you know, because we can, if you're not comfortable flying, we can set the GB up on a, you know, on a hilltop, on a gimbal and wiggle it around and shoot, uh, you know, shoot over you looking down into the valley and whatever. And I'm like, uh, no, 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 no. I'm, uh, I'm great with flying. I love flying. And uh, so, yeah, so we did the did the uh, beginning of the movie actually up in a plane, not the GB, of course, but a, another plane tricked out to look like the GB. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it scared the bejesus out of me, but I haven't been afraid of anything since. I even took up hang gliding. Wow. That's yeah. going from one extreme to the other. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, uh, and, and let's just take a minute, if we can, to talk about some of the great cast members that you had in The Rocketeer with you. Of course, oh, you, yeah. had, uh, you had a, a, a really new Jennifer Connelly uh, mm -hmm. was in the film. Uh, you had uh, James Bond at the, I, was he past his Bond point at that mm. point? I can't remember. Uh, in in, in uh, Mr. Dalton. And, uh, and of course, Alan Arkin and you, so many scenes together. Mm. Alan and I are still fast friends. Uh, we talk all the time. I, uh, I was in, took my family to Nova Scotia, as I am wont to do, uh, a couple summers ago. And Alan has a home up in uh, Cape Breton. So we made the trek up to Cape Breton and, and spent, some, spent some time with Alan. He's a, he's a, a gem of a human being. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, you, you've been in the business for a long time, but he's been in the business forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
But what a what a great opportunity to act with with, with such a great. Uh, I mean, those scenes with you and he were were really just. I mean, you could tell there was this camaraderie that you know mm-hmm. that that went beyond you know, just sort of, sort of standard performance. We're trying to get camaraderie to come across here. It felt really authentic. Yeah. Yeah. It was authentic. We, we, we really uh, liked each other. And, uh, uh, and Timothy Dalton as well. Did you, did you yes. get on with him? You know, unfortunately I, I didn't get to spend as much time with Timothy as I, as I would have, as I would have liked. Um, we didn't have that much to do together until we right. were beating the stuffing out of each other in the in the gondola of the Zeppelin. Um, but uh, a, a perfect gentleman and a towering performance as the bad guy. I mean, it was just, I, I, you know, I, I haven't, of course, I haven't seen everything Timothy's done, but I have to imagine that that has to be one of the one of the great achievements of his career. It, it, it was magnificent. I love that performance. Love it. I really love that they styled that character after the urban myth that Errol yes. Flynn was a Nazi yes. spy. I mean, that yes. was just one of my favorite things about that character. I is- do too. The whole movie is loaded with that. You know, the whole movie, if you love movies, then the whole movie is a, it's a treasure trove of, of, uh, of, uh, sort of, uh, uh, tributes to, to, oh, yeah. to, to film them. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I, th- I think that, you know, it's, it, it's not only the rocketeer, but that's obviously what we're talking about today, but Joe Johnson and films set in the forties, like yeah. Captain America, first Avenger yeah. just loaded to the gills with, referential and and historical just brilliant points all throughout and i think the yeah. rocketeer he really cut his teeth uh uh for that for that genre or that that time period uh yeah. with the rocketeer so uh yeah that that those are really and i wanted to say this to you earlier i don't like to mention names but but somebody in here also did uh the new jersey renaissance festival for you know about a yeah. decade who was that uh, and he was the and he was uh, one of the things he did in addition to Shakespeare and some other comedy. He was the guy who gently um, persuaded or encouraged people to throw tomatoes at him <laughs> while he was in the stockade. So Wait. I don't like to, I don't like to mention names. Which uh, of the boys was that? But in that, that direction was that. That's sandwich. That's, it's me actually. Yeah, it's, him. it's him. It's me. Oh, it's yeah. you. Yeah. You're pointing to yourself. Yeah, I was pointing uh, to myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, didn't want you to feel alone in the whole, I did a Renaissance fair past uh, uh, genre there. So, Are you yeah, kidding? You're, if you've done a Renaissance fair, you're never alone. I, I will want to add in there our uh, West Co- uh, Coast correspondent, Scott, uh, who's on our Instagram right now, says he knows the Ren Fair you're talking about and oh, says yeah. he knows it and he loves it at the same time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. There you go. When so, I was there, uh, it was. When I was there, it was big business. They, they, I think it's it dwindled somewhat, but when I was there, it was um, our busiest day, busiest day that I remember us having. We had 25,000 visitors in a day. Wow. wow. No, sorry, maybe in a weekend. Uh, I can't remember. It's Either a day, in a weekend, weekend. Or a, weekend. a lot of people. Yeah. Either way. So, yeah. uh, uh, and of course, uh, you're, uh, it, it, there's so many, like you said, there's so many uh, uh, points in there. And I wanted to talk just a 
brief moment about um, sort of the the production design, uh, the Bulldog Cafe, the costumes, mm. the airfield, all of those sorts of things that, I mean, you know, c- clearly you and I are cut from the same cloth because I am right there with you. I just thought, you know, it, it's a brilliant movie to watch from a, from at least the, that perspective because they just nailed everything. Production so design. Yeah. What was it like to be, you know, what was it like to be in a project where you're just surrounded by production design that everywhere you look, you're just like, Oh, I want to stare at that for a while. You know, I mean, it was glorious. As I was saying earlier, imagine I never done a film ever. And my first two films were the Rocketeer and Bram Stoker's Dracula. And, and like both of those films just, amazing to just you would just walk around for days on the set and and uh, and 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 with your jaw dragging along behind you on the floor it was uh, it was wonderful it was like a it was like a it was like a dream come true jim bissell uh, one of the one of the best uh, in the business was the production designer on on rocketeer and uh, i mean i was in heaven I was in heaven. The airfield, for God's sake, the airfield up in uh, in Santa Maria, mm-hmm. you know, Bigelow's uh, Flying Circus. That airfield is still there. They they left it there. It was built uh, so, you know, genuinely that it's it's a functioning airfield. Uh, all the hangars are there, and the Lucky Lindy statue, and all of it. That you just put that right on your checklist, uh, guys, for those who are taking the Rocketeer road trip. Yeah. Uh, see yeah. all the locations. There you go. It's out yeah. there. That's one of um, them. So Disney does you no good service by releasing the film between Terminator 2 and Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Robin. Well, I mean, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> bless them. But I think I think they're I and I also think that their campaign might have been a little misguided. Uh uh, and we also, we were, we were promised a, a Roger Rabbit short before the movie, which would have been perfect. A period Roger Rabbit short, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it was something like Roger goes to world war one or something. It was, and, uh, it was a world war two one. I think they actually ended up releasing it, but I don't recall off the top of my head what the name of it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, you know, I mean, it's no, it's, you know, we were, we were against it. I mean, with that release date, we were working a stack deck anyway. We're, we're, we're sandwiched between two, you know, event films. We, we had no, you know, aside from the supporting roles, we had no uh, established uh, uh, box office draws in, in either of the lead roles, any of the lead roles. Um, and, I met a fellow in a restaurant <clears throat> some years later. Uh, and he, he said, could I, I talk to you for a couple of minutes? I said, sure. And he said, I worked at Disney um, in publicity during the, um, uh, during, the, uh, during the release of the film and before the release of the film. And he said, I got to tell you, I think, I think they dropped the ball on uh, on publicizing the film. Uh, I, he said a bunch of things, but one of the things I remember was, if you'll recall, there was a beautiful Art Deco poster. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Beautiful. Which, which nobody under the age of 35 would give a crap about because, you know, who's in love with Art Deco, but anybody, you know, except for anybody over the age of 35 at the time. And, and, um, I was not over the age of 35 for the record uh, of, of people listening to the show. I love that poster and I was not over the, <laughs> that out there. Anyway, it's just one of the small, small things that, uh, that he was saying as that he gave as an example of, uh, of how the, um, how the studio dropped the ball a bit. I think, I think from what I, from what I recall, he felt that they I don't know, Jeffrey, maybe uh, Katzenberg um, had a mis misguided uh, notion of what the audience of the show, audience for the show. They they sort of <clears throat> I, I don't know, thought of it as an adult show and less a kid's show or something. I, I'm not sure. I like the fact that they played up the comedy um but I think that that I mean, in the trailer, sort of the the campaign, mm, but I yeah. think that if they had angled it just a little bit more towards the sort of the action and the, you know, that sort of angle, I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it would have been a different a different draw. Mm. Um, there have been people, though, I just saw last night, actually, in preparation for today, I was actually looking at old trailers and somebody actually cut. If you look on YouTube, it's it's a I think it's called a modern the modern day, a modern day trailer. There is a trailer and, and it, it, this may be the one I've seen that is brilliant. It's yeah. fantastic. I saw this trailer and I sent it to like dozens of people. I'm like, wait a minute. Look at this. This is a fantastic it's fantastic. Yeah, it, it really, if it, if it's the same one, which it probably is, it, it really, it really sells the movie. I feel more accurately than Disney's trailer did. Yeah, but my, I, I mean, I guess at the time with T two and Robin Hood and and so yeah. on and that kind of movie, I guess they decided we need to throw a little lightheartedness in here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and exactly. Uh, I I don't think I, I right. I don't think it did the film any favors. However, that said. It's 30 years later and we're talking about the Rocketeer. And for example, your boss is not talking about Prince of Thieves or your new <laughs> boss. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, so, uh, so that said, um, the movie comes out. It's kind of lukewarm. What, what does that do to you? Uh, wh where are you at when, when, when that starts happening? I'm, I'm, I'm probably neither here nor there. I mean, I, I'm sure that I was somewhat disappointed, uh, uh, really for no reason other than, you know, I, I wanted to keep, uh, working, but I, I went into another movie right away into Dracula. Um, I think that, uh, in fact, that as I recall, uh, Francis, Francis had an eye on me to play the Jonathan Harker part. Um, yes, I think that's true, because I, I think he told me that himself. Uh, but the movie either had released by that point or was about to or something. I'm not sure. Anyway, the studio, uh, Francis's studio for Dracula was like, no, no. I think if a rocketeer had done big business, it might've been a different story. Um, in retrospect, that's a, a blessing in disguise because that Jonathan Harker part was, a, was, was, was 
just thankless. It was not a good part for someone. And uh, Keanu did his best and, and bless him and anybody who might have done their best, but it was, a, it was kind of a milk toast role. And right. uh, I ended up with a smaller, far more colorful uh, role. Oh, so, agreed. Yeah. You know. uh, so one of the things that we, uh, we do here on Geek Stuff TNG, uh, Ollie, is um, we have uh, the young sandwich uh, on the show who is not very, he's very young. He's, uh, what are you now? 23? Four. 24. <laughs> 24 years old. He doesn't have a lot of what you would call pre his birth experience with uh, geek culture. So what we try to do is yeah. we try uh, uh, we try to you know get him to force him to uh, encourage him to check out properties that sort of define the genre or are defining in the genre. Uh, have him check those out and then give us sort of his first impressions. So his assignment for this week was to watch, ironically, The Rocketeer. Uh, <laughs> and then, so Sandwich, I'm going to turn it over to you. You oh. have The Rocketeer. There he is. Yeah. Uh, what, what, would you, what would you like to ask Ali? I don't even know where to start. I mean, first of all, I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here in front of me mm. and it's slightly intimidating. I love the film. It was a fantastic, fantastic film. Anyone who's my age, I want to say before I start uh, bothering you for questions, who hasn't seen this film should definitely watch this film. I'm going to tell my friends to go watch this film. It was phenomenal. You know, I'll be honest, you know, for a film early 90s, I didn't know like what I was going to expect because I think I've been spoiled by Marvel with like high special effects and explosions and stuff. So like, you know, I'm a little bit of a spoiled uh, person when it comes to that. But I mean, it's a phenomenal film. I mean, I got to ask, first of all, I mean, you know, so you, you got the graphic novel you said before the part. Yeah. Did you like read through it so you knew what you were getting into when you started the film or did you kind of just buy it and then? Yeah, I bought the, after? I bought the, uh, you know, I, I, it would all went very fast. But the, the moment that I read the script and realized what I had in my hands, mm-hmm. uh, I thought, damn, I, I got to go down to the comic book store and, and, and get this thing. <laughs> and so I, I raced down there. I still had long hair and a beard. And I raced down to the, that very moment. I got up from the bed where I was reading and I went out and got in my car and raced down to the Santa Monica to the... Um, Push to the, the wench du jour to the side and yeah, yeah, right know. down the hill. I, you know how it is with us. Um, and I went down to Golden Apple and I, I grabbed the thing and I realized, holy hell, um, how much I looked like the guy. So I left the store. I got back in my car, got back in my car. I, I either got back in my car with a coffee or I sat at a table at a at a at a coffee place right next to the to the comic book store and read the rest of the graphic novel and you know i mean the graphic novel is very racy in the graphic yeah. novel <clears throat> you know jenny is is posing for a photographer and she's a very kind of a skimply a little clad, different <laughs> skimply clad and and all of it so i'm i'm sort of you know i'm 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 seeing that the that the um, 
that the script is a is a bit of a cleaned up version. Yeah, I don't of, know how Disney uh, will feel about it. <laughs> of the book, you know, it's a Disney. It definitely, you know, Disney has put some notes in there, right? And um, but I'm still, I'm like, okay, but that's it's still pretty cool. It's still super cool. Uh, so you know, I yeah, I read it. Uh, I read it pretty much. I left the, the the comic book store. I went next door to a coffee shop, and I either read it at a table at the coffee shop or read it sitting in my Jeep outside the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, but I read it right away. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I guess we got some other questions here. Did you take anything home from the from the Rocketeer? I mean, you don't you don't have to say like no, I no, took no. anything. You could say no, in no, no. theory if yeah. I were to have something. I... I mean, I can tell you, honestly, um, I, I almost always walk away from from a movie with a book or two because there are almost always bookshelves in movies and they almost always are full of books. But um, it, it's it's not exactly like stealing. Usually I tell the prop master about it. Um, and the fact is that they buy books to to fill up shelves on movie productions they buy them by the mile right <laughs> they buy them from you know junkyard junk sales and they buy them from library foreclosures and they get them from you know old textbooks i mean it's like they it's like dirt to them like they don't care if two or three books go missing and every once in a while you find a great treasure but uh no, I, there were hardly any books on the oh. Rocketeer. And the one thing that I kept was um, a menu from the Bulldog Cafe. Oh. A menu from the Bulldog Cafe. And in the back of the menu from the Bulldog Cafe was stuffed a call sheet. Um, and I gave that away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, wish, I wish now that I hadn't, but I, but I did. So that that was the only memento I had of the film, other than uh, other than a, a bunch of handwritten notes that um, my co-star and I gave back and forth, sort of in character, um, to just to rile each other up. Well, we we do have some more questions about the Rocketeer. That's going to come uh, later on in our uh, segment for our Patreons. But what we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to take our second break here on Geek Stuff TNG and uh, the one we're calling 30 Years of Rocketeer, episode 627. Uh, and we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Okay, here we go. I'm James Hatton. And I'm Podcast Rob. And we're the Something Something Cast. We're a pop culture podcast that chats about movies, comics, TV, music, video games, and a whole lot more. Check us out at our home at somethingcast.com. And also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other fine podcatchers as well. Proud members of Hashtag Pottern Family and ACPN, the art, comedy, and pop culture podcast network. Build your own X-Wing. Skywalker's legendary Red 5 Starfighter from the Star Wars Saga. 
The X-Wing is recreated in stunning detail in a massive 1 to 18 scale and comes complete with remote activated working lights, R2-D2 motorized wings, removable hyperdrive opening cockpit, and a magazine full of fascinating facts, plus an amazing step-by-step -step assembly guide. You will also receive a free binder, power pack, and bookends model space. It's no secret that cancer effing sucks. But good news, our new friends, Jamie Hicks and Billy Campbell are teaming up to try to fight hairy cell leukemia. Check out the link in the description or on our website at geeksoftng.com to check out a fundraiser to help in the battle against hairy cell leukemia. You can win things like a replica pack from Rocketeer, or you can try to get a personalized autograph photo of Billy Campbell, the Rocketeer himself. Again, go to geeksoftng.com or check the information in the description of this podcast to find out more. Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zor and the Kodan Armada. Hey, this is Lance Guest from The Last Starfighter, and you're listening to Big Kev's Geek Stuff. It'll be a slaughter! That's the spirit! Live from Studio M, the sandwich shop, Big Kefuna Studios, and today Vancouver, it's Geek Stuff TNG. During our commercial break, here from our amazing sponsor, BuildXWing.com. This model is a 118th scale, making it the only fully scaled, fully detailed X-Wing ever made for use with your three and three quarter Star Wars action figures. This X-Wing features many amazing details like the Proton Torpedo Bay, working engine lights, and a light-up R2-D2. You can add your own boops, bops, and beeps. The S-foils open into attack position. The laser cannons simulate firing in the engine light power-up, all by remote control. We recommend you take them up on their do 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 premium offer. You get 118 scale hanger accessories to create a detailed display of your X-Wing, including crates. Tanks, personnel transporter, landing lamps, fuel pump, ladder, as well as several static figures, including ground crew members and even Luke Skywalker himself. When you sign up for your subscription each month, in addition to your parts of the model, you'll get four full color magazines featuring instructions to the parts you've received, fascinating articles about the original models used in the movies, and more. You can click these great source materials in a free binder, which you'll receive as part of your subscription. As a fan of collectibles, you may I see models like this online or at shows or conventions. And I don't need to tell you, the price tag can be quite high. The genius of the system is that paying a little each month as well as having fun putting it together yourself. You can check out more info over at buildxwing.com or reach in by phone at 877-544-6779. Check them out today. Well done. Ah, thanks. Wow, that's the highlight of my entire life. <laughs> yep, we, can, can, we can see that Ali is a kind soul. So there we go. Oh. So uh, we are again uh, joined uh, for our third segment tonight. Uh, Billy Campbell, Ali, 
uh, from the Rocketeer and many other things as we've been discussing. Um, uh, Nick, let's just uh, give out the GVM line and all that stuff. I forgot. I jumped the gun. Uh, it's okay, sir. Uh, well, you can hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash geeksftng to help us with the behind the scenes stuff uh, for a buck. Be, uh, be part of our Discord service. Uh, for three dollars a month, wow! I wish I had the sheet in front of me so I can remember everything. Uh, for three dollars, you get the show a day and a half early with. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's usually Tuesday the... nights, uh, which is usually but due Tuesday to uh, extraneous circumstances, not Tuesday night. For five dollars, you get the weekend bonus show this week hosted by Monty. Uh, usually me, but Monty did a, a solid cover for me. And at the ten dollar tier, you get Instagram Live, where you get to see the wonderful fun that is Geek Stuff TNG. Just like you kind of covered me right now. So that worked out uh, pretty well. Yeah, and the, really well. The GVM line. 201-730-2547. And the email. Geeksftng at gmail.com. You're not going to get me there. I know that I'm one. not trying to get you. I'm, I'm just. No I'm, one's trying to get you, I'm per asking, se. I'm asking you to finish up helping me out, buddy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Return the favor. That's it. But uh, yeah, that's how. Uh, to, and get us uh, get in touch with us on the for the shows. Wonderful. Ollie. Yes. When in the middle of you and I uh, putting our heads together to make uh, your appearance with us today happen, you got a new gig. I did. Yes. <laughs> can you tell us about that gig, sir? Yes, I can. Um, I uh, signed up for a series um, being, um, being produced uh, by Kevin Costner's uh, production company. In fact, he was one of uh, one of the authors of the pilot script um, called National Parks. It's set in the National Park Service, uh, specifically in the uh, in the Bureau of um, the Bureau of Investigative Services, the, the, the ISB, the Investigative Services branch of the National Park Service. Um, so the U.S. National Parks, there's uh, 84, 85 uh, million square acres of uh, U.S. National Park. They have um, anywhere between two and 3,000 rangers who are the folks with the flat hats that walk around and, and uh, you know, warn you to not uh, feed the bears and stuff <laughs> like that. But then they have um, uh, really only 30 or so ISB agents, and those are the folks. They're fed, federal employees. They're they're um, they're uh, they're a federal agency. They're they're like the FBI of the of the national parks. They handle all of the um, and unbelievably, uh, you wouldn't uh, well, you'd never credit the fact that there's so much sort of monkey business that goes on in the national parks, but I've been uh, researching it. And then there is quite a bit, as you can imagine, uh, criminals are uh, looking for a place to do their thing and what better place than out in the middle of the wilderness. Um, so the ISB agents are the ones who investigate uh, crimes happening in the national parks. And that is everything ranging from, uh, you know, I don't know what from, speeding through the national park to uh you know murder and uh uh desecration of uh of uh national heritage sites and all kinds of stuff have um, you already angled your boss for an episode set at gettysburg 
<laughs> uh, no, I have National Park. Yeah, no, saying. no, I have not, not yet. Uh, that's that's down the line. I I, I need to uh, ingratiate myself with the powers that be before I do that. And uh, are you uh, are are you like a, a lead investigator on this uh, on this program? What what what's uh, what's your role? I'm uh, one of uh, I don't know four or five uh, uh, ISB agents at Yosemite um, in a group of uh, kind of peers. Um, uh, I'm older, a little older than the rest of them, but. Um, you know, the ISB service is, uh, they do, they attract uh, folks with military service. They attract people who've worked in other federal agencies, such as the FBI and so forth. Um, and uh, so, yes, I'm an investigator along with my compadres. Um, in the pilot episode, our uh, ASAC, who is the, you know, the person in charge of the region, um, departs because he's, uh, kind of a city dweller, and and he didn't realize the uh, the everything that being out in the wilderness would uh, require. And then I I think it's uh, it looks like I'll be stepping up to take his place. Nice. Yeah. And uh, who's is, is, uh, are there other people in this project that we might know? Uh, there are. Um, I can give you their names, but I don't have them offhand. Uh, they, they, uh, I don't. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't aware of any of them before I got involved with the show. Oh, so, okay. Um, well, we can yeah. we can look that up and we'll share that out with the audience uh, at a later at a later point. Then. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's a it's a it's a well written script and and uh, an exciting show in that uh, well for a number of reasons, but. Uh, um, a couple of the reasons are I'm back in Vancouver, which is one of the cities I love in this world. And, uh, and it's a primarily an outdoor show. So we get to be outside a lot. I, I, I'm, I, if I'm going to spend my, my time away from my family, um, which I, um, which I'm, I'm loath to do, but if I'm going to spend time away from my family, I'd rather it not be 18 hours a day inside a dank soundstage. So. Right. Great. Yeah. And, and that came up right as did, uh, did Kevin Costner have to do with your, with your casting? I have no idea. No idea. Oh. No idea. But I will say that my old friend, Junie Lowry, <laughs> uh, who almost cast me in Star Trek and who's cast me in more things than any other person in the business, um, cast me in this. So Wonderful. Yeah, it was a straight up, uh, was straight up offer. So, uh, I didn't have to audition. We've got, we've, Judy and I have come a long way from the days when, uh, when the days when she would put me up for a part and I'd have to go into a room full of producers and fall flat on my face. <laughs> Nice. You definitely come a long way since then. That's for certain. Yeah. Um, all right. So as we're, we're, we're moving into the end of our, uh, our formal interview, of course, we will have some additional material for our Patreons. Coming I up. look forward to the racy stuff. Oh yeah. So, but as we're closing out, I'm just gonna, I'm going to just slip these on. What? Uh, I don't and, recognize you. Who are you? I know. Right. <laughs> totally. It's totally somebody else. As uh, as we are just past the one-year anniversary of the death of one of my idols and favorite interviewer, James Lipton, we're going to close our interview today 
with uh, Ali uh, with a questionnaire that was asked for 24 years by James Lipton on In the Actors Studio and for 26 years in France by the renowned Bernard Pivot. Billy. Wow. Okay. What is your favorite word? My favorite word? Fuck. <laughs> you jumped ahead of us. Uh, what is your least favorite word? Remarkable. What turns you on? That's, uh, well, that's, that's on a need to know basis and uh, you, you don't need to know. What turns you off? Desperation. What sound or noise do you love? Crickets. What sound or noise do you hate? The sound of Donald Trump saying anything. What is your favorite curse word? Perhaps we've already covered this. We've covered that. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, uh, if, if I could be, if I, if I had any, uh, if I had any inkling that I, that I might be any good at it, um, writing. What profession would you not like to do? Mm. Anything, anything, uh, anything which required me to stare at a computer screen all day long. No, oh, I agree with that. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. There is no heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we thank Ollie, Billy Campbell for joining us today here on Geek Stuff TNG. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks well, again. Thank you, fellas. It's been my pleasure. And, and uh, uh, please, can we keep on talking? I'm, I, I got two days of quarantine left and I'm, I'm, well, we're, we're going to go into, uh, we're going to go into our bonus show now for our Patreons, but we'll, uh, we'll formally oh. wrap up the regular show right here, Mr. Monty. And with that big Kev. With that, uh, Mr. Monty, Mr. Sandwich, and Miss. Well, I oh, thought we you know you want to do the regular. We're supposed yeah. to be doing our social media thing. Plugs, okay, okay. The plugs, yeah. sir. All right, my bad, my bad. You th threw me for a curveball there. Uh, you can find us each and every week over at geekstufftng.com. It's geekstufftng also on the Instagram, the Facebook, and the Twitters. You can find me online as Monty's Mayhem. M O N T E S M A Y H E M. I'm on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Snapchat, the YouTube, the, um, are you TikToking yet? Oh, no, I will. I will not be talking nor, nor ticking, uh, anytime soon. And, um, yeah. Uh, also on a uh, Reddit, uh, big cat. Oh, uh, you can find me over on the Xbox nation at big Kev GS. 
uh, everywhere else, BK Geek Stuff. And don't forget to check out the show's Facebook. Uh, we post a lot of stuff over there, Geek Stuff TNG on Facebook. Mr. Sandwich? Find me on Instagram and Xbox One at Fat Dumbledore. F-A-T-D-O-M-B-L-E-D-O-R-E. Everyone laughs the first time. <laughs> yep, Ollie. I, I was watching Ollie because I knew it was coming. So there it is. Uh, Fat yeah. Dumbledore. You can uh, hook up with Sandwich. I was sandwich. a mess the first time I heard it. I was dying laughing on, cam- uh, on camera. <laughs> and I'm like, and Ollie, what's your uh, social media information? Oh, geez. I don't I'm not even sure I know. Uh, I know I'm on Twitter, uh, but I, I can't remember what my handle is. That's all right. We can share it out later. Uh, so we want to thank you again for joining us on this episode of Geek Stuff TNG, Ollie. And uh, with that, Mr. Monty, uh, we will end this episode, episode 627, the way we, oh, the one we called 30 Years of Rocketeer. Uh, the one, uh, the way we end some shows by saying. Good night, OG. Wherever you are. And on that note, we cue the music. <laughs>